Hi, this is Michelle Astley with Balance Shared, a space where I truly believe we are better together. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I have the pleasure of interviewing a new friend, Marie Bento, who runs a business called Divine Muses. She identifies herself as a practitioner of the healing and mystical arts and works in astrology, bodywork, chiromancy, and she even has some really beautiful deck creations. She's been doing this work for about 15 years or more, and I am so excited to interview her today. So thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. Thank you so much, Michelle, for having me. You're welcome. I'm curious, uh, why did you say yes? To the interview? Yeah. Uh, well, I feel like we met at um, Teresa's um, Sovereign Circle and, and you seem like a really magical person and I didn't want to, I couldn't say no. Thank you. I, I really, I really enjoyed our conversation. I know we just met, but I felt like, hey, like I could, I could, uh, I could give you an hour or so of my time. <laughs> Brilliant. This is, I'm so excited that you are here and that we get to chat. So I was really drawn by well, one that we've been, I've been attending Teresa's Sovereign Salon for a little bit now, and your deck always gets passed around. And at some point, everybody's always grabbing it and they're taking it. So for those of you who don't know, um, Marie created this really beautiful tarot deck that is, it's, the imagery is dark and velvety and beautiful, and it's just really honoring I get a, a vibe of really honoring women in that. Can you talk about that deck that I'm referring to? Oh, so you're, I think you're talking about the Divine Muses Oracle. Yes. It is It is very, um, it definitely has a feminine um, vibe to it. Uh, I guess I, it was, it's very, it's all about like work, like working with your, um, just your shadow and uh, your just magical, mystical, side you know it's like meant to be uh, a like a way to kind of discover and open your intuition and uh, tapping into your inner gold so there's um alchemy in the deck i have six cards that represent the the stages of alchemy as i um, interpret them because there's there's different um models of the the process of um, individuation or alchemical uh, the alchemical process or procedure and I wanted to bring in the muses so I have 10 muses which are meant to help us channel our creativity in various ways um, depending on the muse you're working with and yeah just and the elements there's like the elements from the tarot are, are in there so we can bring in like the directions the four directions and the, the four elements fifth element as well so, and yeah, so it's just a, it's just a deck that's meant to explore your inner wise one and um, yeah, to discover who you really are. I love it. And we definitely do that during those spaces. People are always finding insights and you often see like nodding heads and kind of like that, oh yeah, kind of look on people's faces when, <laughs> oh. when it goes around. Uh, oh, that's so good to hear. Oh, good, good. So I'm curious. You have this one tool. If someone wanted to get started on being more in touch with their intuition, the divine source, their higher power, what would you recommend they begin with? 
Well, that's a, that's a really great question. There's different ways for people. Like for me, I started um, my career doing body work and massage. And I, I had my, in early parts of my career, I had Reiki attunements. I had three Reiki attunements kind of spread out within like two years. And what I noticed working on people's bodies that things would just start to come through. And I feel like really, I really believe that we're all intuitive, like as children, that, um, that we have this natural ability to like connect with source, but it's kind of, kind of repressed in us depending on our, um, how we're, how we're raised. But what I noticed with massage and body work is that it really opened stuff up. I'm sure the Reiki attunements helped as well, but I guess my advice would be to just like, listen to what comes through. Cause sometimes you get a feeling about something, right. And then like in two days or something, you have confirmation that something happens. And I, I remember thinking, oh, wow, I was right. Like, you know, years ago, just being like, oh, I was right. Or I would tell my husband, oh, haha, I'm always right. I'm always right. And it's like, it's not about being right or wrong. It's just, uh, it, it was just realizing that I have this intuitive ability that he didn't, he wouldn't have about a particular thing. I can't think of an example right now, but I know I started to notice this happen regularly that it wasn't like, oh, I just, I guessed, right. It was that I was intuiting it. So that's something to listen to if you're starting out kind of see what happens when you when you when you get a like a feeling for something and when the event happens you know see how accurate that was instead of just because I think what happens is we'll think something and we'll kind of cast it aside and and really that could be important like an important sign or message when you get those feelings where do you feel it in your body I feel it in my heart I feel it in my gut Mm -hmm. You know, I guess it just depends. Sometimes it's just a knowing. So it's not anywhere physically. It's just this mm -hmm. knowing energy where I'm like, I just know this to be true. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes what would happen in the past with that knowing feeling is I would just doubt it. And so doubt can kind of cloud that ability when it's really just your intuition trying to give you a message. Mm -hmm. So I'll feel it in my gut if I'm, I'm going ahead with something that I'm not supposed to. And it just feels like I feel ill. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like and so breaks on something. Yes. And so that the gut feeling when it hurts, it's me, my, it's a message for, for me, for my higher self or the divine or whatever you want to call it. Say that's like a no energy. So that's awesome. So I was struck by your business card when you gave it to me, and that you say you read tarot, and part of it is entertainment. Can you kind of describe that work and like maybe where you got started doing it? When you got started doing it? Okay. So um, so there's there's a, there's a difference. So when you're doing card readings in a private setting, you know, if somebody's coming to my space, say like they're doing one of my synergistic sessions, I, I'll use um, tuning fork therapy. And so that's like an hour and a half, two hour session. And so the readings can, you know, you can go deeper, you can kind of unpack things if emotion, if, you know, people's emotions kind of come to the surface, I put them on the, the massage table and then I could do a tuning fork protocol a therapy to help calm whatever, energy or help clear whatever energy that um you know that needs like blocks or things of that nature but when i'm doing say like an like entertainment reading it's it's somebody hires me to um 
go to their house, for example, or to an event, and it's a party environment. And so people will sit and they'll get 10 minute readings, 15 minute readings. And so really you, you kind of have to, you still, obviously, like I still tell the truth. I still say what's in the cards, but sometimes if something comes up, um, that's a little bit more serious, I'll say, okay, we only have 10 minutes, so I'm not going to go too deeply into this. But if this resonates with you, I'll give them my card and say, hey, maybe give me a call. We could do a deeper reading. We can unpack this particular subject a little more because you, that's not something you want to like necessarily go into. Yeah. And a so, party with a whole bunch of people and yeah. Yeah. So that's what, that's what makes it an inter entertainment versus like in depth. Yeah. I think I shared with you that I had the opportunity to do sort of fortune telling at, it was a volunteer event for, we were raising awareness on a political thing. And it was so much fun to read the people and the situation. And I literally, when I was doing it, whatever my, whatever came, and I usually hear things from my gut. And uh -huh. so whatever my gut said, I just went with it. And it was so fun to see how that resonated. Uh, so I assume you're using skill, all of these kind of skills kind of interplay, really being in touch with your intuition and paying attention to what's coming up and then the information that's coming from the cards and linking it all together. Yeah, absolutely. Because the, the, there's, you know, there's the knowledge. This is what one of my teachers would talk about this, where when you first start, you absorb as much information. That's the knowledge. You, you research, you learn. And then when you start to actually put it into practice, you you basically just wipe all that away. You try not to think about, you know, what this card means because sometimes a card will show up and there's like, oh, here's the book meaning. But in that moment, some other, you get this intuitive hit about what that card means. Mm -hmm. So the the knowledge informs the intuition. So you, it's kind of like, it, in a way, it's you're learning the information and, and you're, it's like you're um, cataloging it in your mind. And then when you're doing the reading, it's like the Akashic Records opens up. And so all that information that you like absorbed into, it's like you're, it's almost like you're absorbing it into the Akashic Records. Right. It's like, and, and, it, and it kind of, and, and then when you're doing the reading, it opens up and the, the meaning shifts, can, these meanings can shift or kind of morph and say, oh, wow, this card usually means this. But for this person and this question in this situation, it actually means this whole other thing. So that's, I love having, um, I have a, like a tarot journal where, you know, there's like a couple pages devoted to each card. And so I'll go in and write that down. Cause that could, cause that could be a meaning for someone else later. So in a sense, you're, you're taking that information and you can pass that down and share that wisdom that you got from the Akashic records that you're like, Hey, I got this, this bit of information. So I didn't know about an Akashic record until I started uh, visiting with Teresa and doing the Sovereign Salon. So a lot of the people that I know might not know what that means. Could you describe that a little bit? So Akasha is, it's a Hindu, it's Sanskrit, it's a Hindu terminology. And what that means is it, think of it as a library, a cosmic library. And it has all the information that has ever been basically thought or like expressed and experienced in the human, um, I guess it's like, what do you call that? Just the human knowledge. Mm -hmm. And it, it, all, it also holds all future knowledge. So it's just, a, it's just a, I think of it as a cosmic library that you draw information from mm -hmm. um, through your intuition. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, 
so I grew up Catholic and there's a, a lot of my Catholic faith that I really enjoy. And then we're also different Protestant religions and things are definitely taught that things like tarot and all, you know, astrology is part of the occult and it's scary and, and, you know, satanic and all that. So can you sort of demystify that a little bit? Sure. Occult, all it means is hidden. Mm -hmm. You know, I think they, it's like they, I think a lot of, it's like the Christians, like for specific, like more conservative Christians, mm -hmm. they don't, I don't think they really understand that they created the, like kind of the, the myth of the devil and like that whole thing is just, it's a product of their creation. And so it's really not scary. It's just unknown. I mean, that's what a cult means. And so all of these are just all this stuff like astrology and um, tarot and anything that's mystical like that. They're just tools uh, for um, self-development, basically. And it just it's a way for us to reflect information back at us that we already know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I, I totally understand like the Christians, like, like there's mystic Christians who believe, oh, you don't need any of that. You know, you just need to, you know, connect with Jesus or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, that might be true for some, for some people, but for a lot of people using tools like this can really help open us up even more. And, um, and maybe the, the, um, maybe the story of Jesus doesn't really connect with you mm -hmm. and, and maybe you know, other, other religions and other paths might. And so it's just, I feel like they're just pathways to the same source mm -hmm. and we just um, use different tools to do that. Thank you so much for doing that. I was uh, chatting with a friend earlier today and that came up and I was like, oh, a question I hadn't thought of to ask. So I appreciate you uh, doing that. So I love thinking of these as all tools, right? And every generation has a new set of thinkers, a new set of dreamers, a new set of creative people. And part of my rigid perfectionist brain is like, well, the tarot card was already created. Why do we need to create another one? Yet all these new people are coming up with different ideas and different ways of doing things. Uh, so could we play for a second? Sure. I have um, only two decks, which seems just not enough. Now that I can hear it, I have uh, a writer tarot deck that was gifted to me from a friend who didn't have a use for it back in like, I don't know, 2003 or something. Nice. This deck was actually uh, in my old desk that I gave to my husband and I thought I lost it. I thought it had gone to Goodwill. And it was two days after a sovereign salon where the conclusion I got out of that is I really need to own my woo. I didn't share any of this with my husband. And Two days later, he comes up and he goes, oh, I found something for you. And I found something for our son. He gave a package of unopened candy cigarettes to my son because like what kid doesn't need candy cigarettes these days, right? <laughs> yeah, fun. My tarot deck was there. So I've been slowly just kind of like really slowly. I like to do this once a day, but it doesn't happen. It's like once a week. I just have the deck sitting here and I'm just going to pull the next one. And can we just talk about it? Sure. All right. So... And it sh sh okay, so uh, Mary and I are on um, Zoom, and so I'm going to show her via picture. You guys aren't going to be able to see this. I'm going to just ask her to kind of read what she sees. So, are we reading reversals? Yeah, that's how I pulled it. Okay, so that is a reversed Six of Pentacles. 
So six of pentacles is all about giving and receiving energy. Um, the energy of the six of pentacles can be, depending on the question, because the question can always um, inform the answer, right? So it could talk about donating and um, helping, uh, helping a cause, you know, and it's usually like giving, giving to a cause. And, um, or it could be about receiving and being open to receive money and energy. Cause I think people have a hard time, like, especially in business where they have a hard time, like asking for money and being like, Oh, you owe me this much. And mm -hmm. so, but reversed has kind of, it's like the shadow energy. And so that could be this kind of a stuck energy where it's like, you're having a hard time donating. Maybe you're questioning, you know, in, instead of just doing it. Um, or you're having like a, a hard time um, receiving and, and it's that you're stuck with that. And so that can mean like, oh, you're doing work for free, you know, when you really should be getting paid, you know, especially when we're talking about kind of spiritual businesses. I think that's something that a lot of people think, oh, it's spiritual. You need to do it for free or things like that, where there's like guilt associated with it. So I would see that six of pentacles reversed in that, in that way. That's beautiful and it resonates so well <laughs> and actually I just it's interesting because I um I actually donated money today to Wikipedia and uh and I was I actually pulled that card yesterday and and I was like hey and I was considering it and because I've, I've donated in the past and so and I use it I love using Wikipedia so anyway so I thought that was really interesting that you pulled that reverse yeah. Uh, Chiron is in my second house of Taurus. So, <laughs> and we will talk more about astrology in later episodes. So that's all you get for this. So I'm going to describe what I see on the six of, of okay. pentacles. So we have three, or I'm sorry, six circles with a star and there's three on the top, three on the left side. And then it, it kind of looks like two on the, on the other side. So one, two, three, the fourth one is in the middle and then five and six. And you have a man who is holding scales and one scale is a little bit higher than the other. And he looks like he's dressed in finery and robes and he's giving coins to a person who is kneeling before him wearing a yellow robe. And then there's another person before him on his, uh, it would be his left side. So my right looking at the card in a blue robe who has yet to receive anything. Maybe he's going to, or maybe he's not. Is there anything you wanna add to this particular one? Well, that card, I mean, traditionally, it's like, it's like a rich man mm -hmm. who's giving alms to the poor. Right. And so the scales are not quite, you know, equal because, you know, he, he has more than they do. Mm -hmm. So, but he smiles too. So he's happily giving mm. because he has, he has enough to give. Mm -hmm. And so that, that's the reflection, you know, I think like that's a, that's something to think about for people when they're looking at this, like you have enough that, that there's a six is like, there has that magic energy to it where there's like enough, you know, and it's like creative. And so what can you do, you know, uh, to help someone in need? Mm -hmm. So that's where the donation and the giving, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, meaning comes from. Oh, that's beautiful. I love looking at the cards. It's like great, um, remembrance of my art history, almost minor. 
you know, yeah. look at things, and then you have to really, and so that's, anyway, for me, why? Yeah. I, I took art history too. I love it. Oh, love art history. See, there's lots of reasons we should connect. Um, <laughs> I want to take a short break just to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, and then we'll continue in a moment. Welcome back, and we have a treat. Marie is going to pull from two of her decks. She created a Tarot deck a few years ago based on the Rider Waite deck that I pulled from, and then we're gonna get into her Divine Oracle Muses deck. And I'm sorry if I'm saying that incorrectly, so please. That's okay, Divine Muses Oracle. Thank you, thank you. All right, so what have you got for us? So let's pull a card. I'm just gonna draw randomly from the deck without shuffling. Mm Ooh, the Wheel of Fortune. Oh, beautiful. Okay, so again, we're on video, so I get to yeah. see this. And it is, oh, it's so beautiful. I love the font. The detail is just gorgeous. We have, um, it looks like a woman in the upper left-hand corner and some sort of bird, and there's a Wheel of Fortune. And then, um, well, I'm saying it's a Wheel of Fortune, but it looks like a Ferris wheel is what it's I meant. It's a Ferris wheel. Yeah, and then I can't see what that shape is in the that box. So then there's a lion at the bottom right and a bull on the bottom left. Oh, wow. So it's the, uh, basically it's the four archangels or the four elements represented by the astrology. So the woman is um, generally, sometimes it's an, it's an angel and, um, and it's represented by Aquarius and the eagle is Scorpio. That's like the ancient animal ruler, because um, now it's like a, uh, now it's a, um, a Scorpio, a scorpion, excuse mm-hmm. me. And then the lion is Leo, and then the earth for the bull. Oh, nice. Uh, and then the Ferris wheel, I chose the Ferris, uh, it, this antique image of a Ferris wheel, uh, and, um, and then there's the image of the, the symbol from the wheel of fortune from the Waitsmith Smith is in the center, which talks, you know, has the T T A R O mm-hmm. and it can and then it has the um the um oh my gosh the Hebrew al- um, alphabet in like four of the letters that represent the four card four cards in the um tarot. The wheel of fortune is all about things kind of cycling through. And sometimes fortune's on your side, luck's on your side. And so that's when the wheel is going up, the energy is like of luck is coming in and the wheel can also go down. So the, the luck can shift too. But generally it's a lucky card, depending on the question again, you know, or if it's reversed. And um, Jupiter rules the wheel of fortune. So there's that luck, there's expansion, there's that energy of like um, things coming in. So I see this as an expansive card beautiful. I love it. Yeah. And there's so much more we can go into that, but I don't want to. You then created the next deck. Yeah. The divine muses Oracle just came out this year. And, um, I, I don't know what you want me to say. Do you want me to just pull a card? Can you talk a little bit about what inspired you to create this deck and then pull a card? Sure. Um, well, so when I was creating the Antiquarian Tarot, um, there were a lot of images because I used antique cabinet card imagery and photos. And a lot of times I'm finding uh, um, cabinet card images at antique stores, flea markets. And sometimes I'm like uh, online looking for public domain images. And so 
a lot of times I'd find images that I couldn't use in the tarot because with the tarot there's like a okay I, I wanted to stick to um the Albano way or the Waitsmith imagery and um so then I'd find these beautiful images and I'm like, oh that would be a great card for this and you know so I've, cr I've created a, a Lenormand and like a, a the, tar the tarot and so then I was like I wanted to do an oracle too and so it was just I love the idea of not having a structure because Lenormand has 36 cards. It's a uh, very specific, you know, it's, you know, if you're going to go with the method, you got to have those cards. Same with the um, tarot. So, yeah. So uh, I did some traveling in Europe um, and sometimes I'd find these gorgeous images, um, photo photographs, and I just wanted to um, do something a little different. So what were some of the muses that you chose? So the, basically the muses are based on the Greek muses, the nine Greek muses. And so the, they're, um, they're performing arts, essentially, if you're Greek, during ancient Greece, they, um, they honored the muses for their creative crafts. And, but they were, what's interesting is they were all performing arts. So we have the muse of dance, the muse of um, divine hymns, which is like um, divine music. There's the muse of music. There's the um, muse of, oh my gosh, I don't know, oh, history. But a lot of this stuff was um, done on a stage in front of people. And so there was no muse of art. So I added a 10th muse, the muse of art. And it's interesting because there were artists, there were vase painters and wall paint, there were statue, like um, uh, sculptures and stuff. So I didn't really understand. I did some research and I didn't really get a clear answer, but what I, what I kind of gathered was it was, it was kind of a plebeian or like a lay person's work. Like the painters were uh, painting vases for home decor. So they weren't considered, it wasn't considered high art. Right. You know, and you wouldn't do it in front of an audience. It was just like, here's a painter in the corner of, the city and he's making like a ton of vases that people are buying to put in their homes but now we look at that as like oh my gosh this is like you know super valuable museum you know pieces so yeah so I added the muse of art to represent all the visual arts I love that evolution so what do you have for us okay let's see Ooh, I have the magical child well that seems appropriate yeah so the match so um in the deck, uh, you know, I was, I explored the different, I explored different archetypes. Basically every card is an archetype. Mm -hmm. And um, I wanted to bring an inner child into the deck. There's, um, there's several inner children, you know, depending on how you connect. And so for this deck, for the divine muses, I wanted to bring the magical child. I resonated with her, but I also felt like the people using this deck who are mystics would connect with the magical child. Will you describe so basic, what's on the, on the, will you describe yeah. So it is a, uh, an old image, a 19th century image of a, um, I guess I would say like a 10 year old about a girl in a Halloween costume. She's, it looks like a bat costume cause it's all black, but it's, I believe it's a butterfly. And she stands in front of a wallpaper of kitties. <laughs> and it was actually wrapping paper with kitty cats on it. And there's a sunflower behind her. So it kind of is like reminiscent of the sun card. So it's like this positive energy, uh -huh. but the card is all about tapping into that 
imagination and wonder that we used to have as children and kind of like what we talked about earlier, how when we were young and how intuitive we were, mm -hmm. like tapping into that really, you know, intuitive inner child. And she's also just, she, she sees everything as magic, you know, it's like just the world, looking at the world with awe, you know, looking at the world with wonder. Oh, interesting. Um, I need to show you a painting I did of, did you ever read The Golden Compass? I have that to read, actually. It's funny. It's one of those, I got it from the free library uh -huh. and I haven't read it yet, but it's funny that you brought it up because I, I got that. So for those of you listening, you really need to check out Philip Pullman's um, The Golden Compass series, The Dark, Dark Materials. And I think he's got a, there's an HBO series now with it, but the books are fantastic. I would highly recommend reading them and they definitely dip into a version of mystical and imagination and they're quite beautiful uh and i will take a picture if if you don't mind um sharing a picture of that card i'm going to take yeah. a picture of mine and i'll link that in a post and that'll be in the show notes for later that's awesome yeah absolutely so i'm i'm curious if people want to get started so they're fascinated they want to use these tools as a way to get connected with their intuition or just play what should they, what should they start with? Oh, wow. I, I think there's so many different divinity. Are you talking about divination like tools or just in, let's any, go with that. I was, that? I, let's go with that. I was thinking of, uh, of Tarot, but we can go with divination just in general. To start, I think for, if you want to do something easy, then Oracle decks mm -hmm. are, I think a great way where you can pull one card. If you want to, if you want to go the um, tarot route and you want to like learn it, then get, a, you know, get a deck that you connect with. I would recommend something based on one of the like main models, like the totes deck, like Alistair Crowley, if that is more your, um, if you resonate with that more or the Waite Smith or Rider Waite Smith deck. Um, there's a lot of clones. So if you want, um, I would recommend like a Rider Waite Smith clone as your first um, tarot, just so that you can learn, I, I mean, the Golden Dawn, because the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn is where this, um, where this came from. And so there's, I mean, it's an occult prac kind of um, like a school of thought, but, uh, Right, the Rider Waite Smith was is like was very Christian connected, and so and the totes uh, Alistair Crowley kind of took away the Christianity and really tapped into the Egyptian mythology. Oh, sure. So it, it really depends on what you're you resonate with. There's so many decks out there now. You were talking about that. Just there, there's so so many, and so it can be kind of overwhelming. But I would uh, use your intuition, even if a, if a deck calls to you and it's not um, a part of that model and it's its own thing, then just gr grab it because if the pictures are like um, inspiring you, then you're able to like um, read the information on the cards, even if they don't, if, you, if it doesn't match what the meaning is, because mm -hmm. that's more important. I feel like what, what is coming through, what you're feeling is coming through. So I, I guess I would just recommend an, an Oracle deck with, with imagery that you resonate with because mm -hmm. the resonance is, the resonance is what you're, um, you're going to be, you'll feed off of that.
So we're almost at about 30 minutes. And I want to know what you're working on right now and what your next projects are. Okay. Well, I'm currently working on an inner seven and 10. Ooh. So by seven, that second grade, you've already been held back. Right. So the stigma that goes with the natural brain development of, of a certain percentage of the population is really detrimental. And I think people know this, that anyone who's been held back is they carry that stigma their whole lives. Yeah. They have now wrong. They've now taken on that. They're not smart. They're not as good as other people. Mm -hmm. And nothing is further than the truth. You know, the brain develops differently for each of us. Yeah. We are each different. Right. And I get the challenges that that presents in a in a school setting, in a in a mass population learning set, setting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there are ways that we could honor that better. Yeah. Mm, okay. I really want to talk to you more about this, but we have completely run out of time. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> so, we could, we could do another one with whole other topics. That would be oh, fun. Yes. Yes. And I think that's going to have to be season two to look forward to. Beautiful. Love uh, it. Which is super exciting. So you do a lot of work locally and if yes. people want to just get a taste of your, your magic, mm-hmm. where can they find you? You can find me online uh, at thevitalspirit.net. I am on Facebook, also at The Vital Spirit, Instagram, The Thriving Empath. And I do regular talks in the Portland community at New Renaissance Bookstore. Perfect. About once a month. Awesome. And yeah. the New Renaissance Bookstore uh, keeps their costs between like 10 and 20 or $30. So they're pretty yep. accessible. Definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Laura, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thank you. And I cannot wait for season two. Beautiful. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. This is Michelle Astley with Balance Shared, a space where I truly believe we are better together.